Chapter Five of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. With a quick step, Edgar Adelon pursued his way along the avenue, through the thicket, by the paths which he knew well, and over the wall of the park by the stones built into it, to form a stile. But it was the eager beating of his heart which made his breath come fast and thick and not the rapidity with which his young limbs moved he knew not that he was observed by any one and with that intensity of feeling which few are capable of and which perhaps few for their own happiness should desire his whole mind and thoughts were filled with one subject so that he could give no heed to anything that passed around him he walked on down a very narrow shady lane which led by a much shorter way than had been taken by the carriage of lord hadley the night before to the house of mr clive and was entering a meadow upon the side of the hill without observing that any one was near when suddenly a voice called him by name and turning he beheld the tall old man himself and instantly advanced towards him and grasped his hand eagerly how is helen he said how is miss clive lord hadley and mr dudley told us of the accident last night and i have been in a fever to hear more of her ever since they said she was not much hurt i hope it is so but i must go down and see her the old man had gazed at him while he spoke with a fixed steadfast look full of interest but in some degree sad she is not much hurt edgar he answered her arm is broken but that will soon be well otherwise she is uninjured but my dear boy what are you doing this cannot go on you may go down to-day and see her for you would not pain her or injure her i know but you must tell your father that you have been that i insist upon or i do not let you go i will i will answered edgar adelon surely that will satisfy you injure her i would not for the world no not for anything on earth well if your father knows it edgar i have naught to say rejoined the old man and i will trust to your word that you do tell him that which he does with his eyes open is his fault not ours all i say is i will have no deceit you will hear from himself that i have told him replied the young man with a glowing cheek but mark me clive i do not always say when i go to your house any more than when i go to other places if the occasion requires it i speak but if not i am silent clive again looked at him steadfastly as if he were about to add something more in a grave tone but then suddenly laying his hand upon his shoulder he gave him a friendly shake saying well boy well and turned away and left him edgar adelon pursued his course with a well-pleased smile and a light step his conversation with clive was a relief to him it was something which he had long seen must come which he had dreaded and it was now over five minutes brought him in sight of the house towards which his steps were bent and he paused for a moment with joyful beating of the heart to look at it as it stood rising out of its trees upon the opposite side of the dell as if it were perched upon the top of a high cliff overhanging the valley though in truth beneath the covering of the wood was stretched a soft and easy descent 
with manifold walks and paths leading to the margin of the little stream it is no unpleasant thing to pause and gaze into the sparkling wine of the cup of joy before we quaff it and such was the act of edgar adelon at that moment although his whole heart was full of those tremulous emotions which are only combined with the intense and thirsty expectation of youth then with a wild bound he darted down the road crossed the little bridge and ran up the opposite slope he entered the yard of the building at once and no dogs barked at him a small terrier came and wagged his tail and the great mastiff crept slowly out of his kennel and stretched himself in the morning sunshine edgar adelon must have been often there before he walked into the house too without ceremony and his question to the first woman-servant he met was where is helen but he corrected it instantly into where is miss clive the woman smiled archly and told him where she was and a moment after edgar was seated beside her on a sofa in the little drawing-room which i have described i do not know that it would be altogether fair or just to detail all that passed between them but certainly edgar's arms stole round the beautiful girl's waist and he gazed into her dark eyes and saw the light of love in them he made her tell him all that happened that is to say all that she chose to tell for she refused to say how or why she was out watching upon the road at a late hour of the evening he was of a trustful heart however and when she first answered with a gay look i went to meet a lover to be sure edgar he only laughed and kissed her cheek saying you cannot make me jealous helen that is i suppose because you do not love me sufficiently said helen clive no love he replied it is because i esteem you too much and then he went on to make her tell him when the surgeon had arrived and whether the setting of her arm had pained her much and whether she was quite quite sure that she was not otherwise hurt my foot a little replied his fair companion it is somewhat swelled don't you see edgar and he knelt down to look and kissed it with as much devotion as ever a pilgrim of his own faith kissed the slipper of the pope then came the account of her deliverance from the perilous situation in which she had been found do you know she said if i had not been a great deal frightened and a little hurt i could have laughed as i lay for it was more ridiculous than anything else to feel one's self half buried in that way and not able to move in the least luckily it was the earth that fell upon me first and then the stones upon that so that i could only move my arms and when i tried to do that it instantly set some of the stones rolling again by which my poor arm was broken so then i lay quite still thinking someone must come by sooner or later till i heard a carriage coming up the hill and saw by the light of the lamps two gentlemen walking fast before it i called to them as loud as i could and they both ran up the one was kind enough and was going to pull me out at once but if he had done so most likely he and i and his companion would have been all killed or very much hurt the other however stopped him and kindly and wisely and gently secured all the fragments of the wall that were still hanging over so that he could get me out without danger and then he lifted off the stones one by one and he and the servants and the other gentlemen removed the weight of the earth and lifted me up 
and all the time he spoke so kindly to me and comforted and cheered me so that i shall always feel grateful to him till the last day of my life and so shall i my sweet helen said edgar adelon eagerly but which was it the dark one or the fair one oh the dark one replied helen clive the tallest of the two i think the postboy told my father that it was lord hadley no no said her lover the fair one is lord hadley the dark one is mr dudley his tutor and i am glad of it first because i like him best and secondly because i am more likely with him to have an opportunity of showing my gratitude for what he has done for you dear girl if ever i have i shall not forget it helen you must not and will not i am sure edgar answered helen clive i think that men's characters and nature are often shown more by the manner in which they do a thing than by the act itself and though i felt grateful enough for deliverance yet i will confess i felt more grateful still for the kind and gentle way in which he spoke to me asked if i were much hurt told me not to be frightened that they would soon release me and still while he used the very best means of extricating me kept talking cheerfully to me all the time god bless him said edgar adelon i shall love that man i am sure then too continued helen when they had put me in the carriage and we had gone about half a mile over the down i asked them to stop and let one of the servants go and tell my father what had happened to me and the young light-haired one called to a servant he named muller to go but the other said no no i will go myself the man might only frighten your father and he opened the carriage door and jumped out as if he had a real pleasure in doing all he could for a poor girl whom he had never seen before and a man whom he had never seen at all that is the true spirit of a gentleman said edgar a better coronet my helen than gilded leaves and crimson velvet can make but now tell me more about yourself when does the surgeon say your arm will be well and when can you come out again to take a morning's walk i can walk quite well answered helen clive my foot and ankle are a little bruised but that is all as for my arm it may be six weeks or two months mr sukley says before i can use it so no more playing on the guitar edgar for a long time well we must have patience answered edgar adelon it is pleasant my helen to hear you make sweet music as the poet calls it and warble like a bird in spring but yet i do not know that the best harmony to my ear is not to hear the spoken words of that dear tongue in the tones of love and confidence but come we will have our morning walk the brightest hour of all my day is that between seven and eight i will get my bonnet on and come answered helen and she left the room for the purpose she mentioned edgar in the meanwhile left alone gazed for a moment or two at the pages of the book she had been reading and was writing a lover's comment in the margin when one of the doors of the room opened and he started up thinking that helen had returned prepared he was surprised however to see a tall powerful broad-shouldered man of about forty well dressed and having the appearance of a gentleman his face however though intelligent was not altogether pleasant in expression the head was round the forehead square cut and massive the jawbone large and angular the eyes grey but sharp and flashing 
the eyebrows bushy and overhanging and the greyish red hair cut short and standing stiff and bristly while enormous whiskers of the same hue almost concealed each cheek the young gentleman it is true got but an imperfect view of him for the intruder withdrew as soon as he saw that there was any one in the room and closed the door edgar felt somewhat surprised and curious for he had never before seen any one in mr clive's house at that hour of the morning but himself him servants and labouring men and helen and with the rapid divination of thought he at once connected the appearance of this stranger with the events of the night before he had not much time for reflection before helen clive returned but then he instantly told her what had occurred and inquired who the visitor was ask no questions edgar replied helen or put them to my father but at all events do not mention to any one else i beseech you that you have seen such a person here edgar mused and walked out with her perhaps in a more meditative mood than he had ever experienced in the society of helen clive before it soon passed away however and they wandered on side by side as usual in conversation too deeply interesting to them to be very interesting to a reader of a work like this but all bright things will come to an end and that sweet hour which perhaps they too often indulged in terminated all too soon and the impassioned boy took his way back to brandon full of wild and glittering visions of love and happiness he had somewhat outstayed his time and when he reached the house he found the whole party sitting down to breakfast why why where have you been edgar asked sir arthur you have been an early wanderer oh i often am answered edgar but remembering his promise to mr clive he added i have been down to knight's hyde grange to see poor helen clive after the accident of last night sir arthur adelon seemed neither surprised nor displeased how is she he inquired not much hurt i hope not much replied edgar encouraged by his father's manner the dear girl's arm is broken and her foot a little bruised but that is all his cheek flushed a little as he ended for he saw not only the deep blue eyes of his beautiful cousin fixed upon him but those of the priest also sir arthur took no notice however but merely said did you see mr clive also yes i met him replied the young man he was coming up this way i must see him to-day myself said the baronet and i suppose in gallantry i ought to go down and ask after your fair playfellow too edgar and turning towards lord hadley he added they were children together and many a wild race they have had in the park when my poor brother-in-law brandon was alive clive and he were related for there is no better blood in the country than that which flows in the veins of this same farmer-looking man whom you met last night let us all go down and visit them my dear uncle said eda brandon i have not seen helen for a long time the party was agreed upon and the breakfast proceeded but to one at least there present the cheerful morning meal seemed not a pleasant one mr dudley ate little and said less and yet there seemed to be no cause for the sort of gloom that hung upon him everybody treated him with the utmost courtesy and kindness he was seated next to sir arthur adelon between him and mr filmer 
lord hadley in big good-humoured way never seemed to look upon him as the tutor but called him on more than one occasion my friend dudley and there was a warmth mingled with reverence in the manner of young edgar adelon when he spoke to him which must have been gratifying could the cause of the sort of melancholy which affected him be the fact that lord hadley was seated next to eda brandon and that his eyes and his manner told he thought her very beautiful however that might be as soon as breakfast was over and the party rose dudley retired at once to his room and when he had closed the door he stood for a moment with his hands clasped together gazing on the floor this is worse than vain he said at length this is folly this is madness would to god i had not come hither but i must crush it out and suffer myself to be no longer the victim of visionary hopes which have no foundation to rest upon and feelings which can never be gratified and which it is madness to indulge he sat himself down to read but his mind had lost its usual power and he could not bend his thoughts to the task perhaps three-quarters of an hour had passed when someone knocked at his door and edgar adelon came in they are all ready to go mr dudley he said will you not come with us i think not replied dudley i am not in a very cheerful mood this day is an anniversary of great misfortunes mr adelon and it is not fair to cloud other people's cheerfulness with my grave face oh cast away sad thoughts said edgar if they are of the past they are but shadows if they are of the future they are morning clouds clouds that may be full of storms replied dudley sadly who can tell cried the young man enthusiastically and if they be how often do the raindrops of adversity water the field and advance the harvest of great future success i have read it i have heard of it i am sure that it is true come mr dudley come for the man who gives himself up to sorrow makes a league with a fiend when there is an angel waiting for him hope is energy energy is life life is happiness if it is rightly used we wound the bosom of the earth to produce fruits and flowers and heaven sometimes furrows the heart with griefs to produce a rich crop of joys hereafter dudley grasped his hand warmly thanks thanks my young friend he said i will come i certainly did not think to receive such bright lessons and such wise ones from one so young the philosophy of youth answered edgar with a laugh is i believe the best for it is of god's implanting it is an instinct to be happy and where is the reason that is equal to instinct nowhere answered dudley taking his hat with a smile and i will follow mine End of chapter five